Hi, and welcome to Just a GP. This is your COVID-19 special. We've teamed up with the Good GP podcast to create a series of podcasts on the pandemic. The disclaimer at the beginning is that this is taped on the 24th of March at 8pm, and this is a rapidly evolving space and things are changing quickly, so please keep up to date. We will try to delete podcasts as they're no longer relevant, but as we're all quite busy, this will only happen as we can. So today we have a wonderful guest. We've got Amandeep Hansra and we've also got our usual podcaster, Charlotte. Ash won't be able to make it with us today. So hello, everyone. Hi, Beck. Hi. Thanks, Beck. Today, what we'd like to talk to you about, Amandeep, is specifically around technology and telehealth because over the last week to fortnight, this has exploded into the general practice space. And this is actually something that you've been using for the past few years. But as always, before we get started, I'm going to ask each of you for a highlight of the week. So Charlotte, do you want to take us away? Yeah, thanks, Beck. I think my highlight this week was actually having a picnic with my family down on the local park where we were able to exercise social distancing, but at the same time, enjoy the ability to just be together as a family. So we had, for instance, my nephew and niece who are three and eight and you know, my, my son, daughter, well, a whole lot of us, I think there was 12. We were really good and restrained, but it was a beautiful afternoon. The park was gorgeous. The children just had a wonderful time playing as they do anyway, but it felt surreal because we're in the midst of this strange world. So lovely. And yours, Amandeep? I'd have to say my highlight was today. I felt like the world was humming just because I had two children who were being homeschooled, I'd say, or self-directed learning, I think is actually the word, sitting in their rooms, having their Google Classroom sessions all day. So they were working very well. I had my au pair who was sitting there doing her university classes from having been sent home from there too. And I was working from home. And the internet survived. And so for me, it was a win and it made me realise we can continue to function. That's amazing. That is amazing. Your children must be a little bit older than mine because mine were not behaving well and I think interrupted every teleconference that I had today. But most of my um, patients and staff I work with are getting used to that. My highlight was actually having my weekends back. It's amazing how many meetings get cancelled when they're no longer either able to go ahead or are required to go ahead because you can't gather in small spaces. So all of my weekend events for March have been cancelled and I actually now have my weekends back to spend with family, which has been really awesome. I'm with you. Isn't it nice? I've got this sort of empty next three months. It's like, woohoo. That's great. <laughs> Amandeep, I was hoping that you would be able to take us away with essentially some top tips of converting your system, converting your practice over to telehealth. Yeah, thanks, Beck. Look, I think um, there's been a lot of anxiety in the general practice community about suddenly what is this thing telehealth and what does it mean and how much change is required in our practice to actually shift our whole focus so that we can protect ourselves and also use these new MBS item numbers. 
And I think my first advice would be don't panic, don't be afraid. This isn't a huge technology change. This is actually just a change in the way that you deliver medicine. It's a change in potentially some of the workflows of your practice. And it does require some careful planning. So it requires you to sit down as a group, as a leadership group within your practice and walk through some of the workflow changes, walk through some of the risks that you might identify, walk through some of the opportunities that you see in terms of protecting your staff and obviously providing a good quality service to your customers, to your patients, but also making sure that you think about the business model. I think there's been a lot of concern about, you know, financial viability of practices with this new change and the requirement for bulk billing, but it does take some careful planning But what I can say is that it doesn't require you to bring a truckload of IT equipment or suddenly have to ring around and get platforms. There's all those things can come in time. But this really is a shift from something that you were quite conditioned to do on a face-to-face basis, but turning that into something that you're delivering remotely. So that's the first point is not to be afraid. And I think it's a matter of getting rid of the panic so you can sit down and use that energy to try and plan as a team. And it is a team-based thing. It's you need your reception staff involved, you need your practice manager you, you know, potentially even getting a friendly patient who might help you see it from the patient's perspective and getting all of your GPs in the practice on board with how this is going to impact them and affect them. So it sounds to me like you obviously need to think through the systems that you run in your practice as well as how you actually do it. So if I go to systems, so by systems, I'm meaning, you know, what does it look like in your appointment book? What does it mean? You know, can the patient book from themselves online or do they have to go via the reception staff are the appointments as long as a standard face-to-face consultation and do you do a whole session of just telehealth or do you intersperse your telehealth with your face-to-face great questions and I think the systems and the workflow is really important to get right I mean we had a great meeting um, at our practice on the weekend and we sat down and said okay what are the risks that we're trying to mitigate by turning to telehealth? And all the GPs talked about the risks to the health and why they were getting concerned that even doing triaging of patients and, you know, it doesn't matter how much messaging you can give to patients, if you've got respiratory symptoms, call beforehand, that many weren't following that advice or were coming in and then halfway through the consult disclosing that they had respiratory symptoms or that they had travelled somewhere. and. Yes, some of them were lying deliberately, but others were just, you know, hadn't thought about it. And it really led us to think there has to be a better process than getting our reception staff ringing people and sort of being that triage sort of barrier and taking that workload off them. And we made a decision to essentially go almost all virtually in the first instance. So that meant turning the practice website into sort of a process for them to book telehealth appointments. So everybody, except for some groups, so we picked out some groups that we thought, okay, if you're coming in for the flu shot, we're going to do all of those together. They're all flu clinics. If we're going to, you know, do some antenatal care, we're going to do all of that postnatal care together. So there were some groups that we identified that need that face-to-face care. But everything else People were encouraged to book telehealth appointments in the first instance. And then we'd leave a few appointments at the end of the day or the end of the session 
which were ones that we could bring patients back that we'd had a telehealth consultation with earlier in the day and say, okay, we decided we need to physically examine you and we'll bring you back in for that. At that point, you could decide, you know, if you wanted to be fully fitted out um, with PPE, et cetera, but you would have hopefully screened out the COVID cases or suspected COVID cases and then be able to really control what risks you were exposing yourself to. And we also gave options for our staff to choose to work from home. So people could bring their laptops in and we could set them up with remote access. And luckily for us, we had a system in place for our online bookings that also had video functionality that they could turn on. So all of our telehealth consults are done via video. But that's not to say you have to have that functionality to deliver telehealth. A lot of telehealth is done over the phone, but we thought if we have the option and it's already included in a subscription that we have, we'll turn the video on. And that is the process that we literally set up, you know, from Sunday, today's Tuesday. So it's something that you can rapidly turn on if you have you know, the right systems and workflows thought out. So that's what we're trialing this week. I'm not saying it's the right and the only way to do it. But for us, it's the way that we decided as a group, we would test this out. I mean, I think, Amanda, it's fair to say that I think people shouldn't be afraid of trying something out. I'm a strong believer in in the quality improvement methodology. And that uses this thing called plan, do, study, act. And so what you do is you say, okay, let's plan what we're going to do, then do it then do a review of, you know, what it looked like. And then if it didn't work, well, we try again or we improve what we're doing. But, you know, if you don't try it first, spend all of this silly time planning for something and it just falls over sideways. So just doing little trials is is not a bad thing to do anyway. Absolutely, Charlotte. And I think what we will take is feedback from patients and we will take feedback from the reception staff and from the GPs. And if we need to modify that, you know, we can be agile enough to to move that around. We've got a great community of, of patients who, you know, who are very aware that this is something we've had to put in really quickly and that there may be technical issues. We've warned them that if the video doesn't work, we're just going to hop on a phone and they just have to bear with us. So all of those things you can build into your messaging And my other advice is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I actually had a great discussion with another doctor who's part of a a COVID discussion group and, um, you know, he sort of explained how his practice had done it. And, you know, I took some of the messaging that he'd used and sort of thought, well, we can modify that and use that. And I think all of our colleagues are very willing to support one another. And if someone's tried something somewhere and it's failed or it's worked, just using some of those lessons, you know, really great place to start so that we can build on each other's knowledge rather than starting all over again every time. One thing that I've struggled quite a bit with over the last week is the urties and particularly the urties in kids because that's something that I would normally spend quite a bit of time doing a physical exam for with my patients. And while I'm not trying to over-investigate or order imaging or anything additionally unnecessary for the patient, have you got any tips on how to be more confident in telehealthing or video conferencing ERTI in a child? Yeah, so for many years I worked on the after-hours GP helpline and we had a lot of calls with parents with ERTIs and we were trying to decide whether the, you know they needed to be seen or not. And this was all done over the phone, so we didn't have access to video conferencing back then. So, you know, it is something that will present fairly often, I think, in this 
environment as well because people are anxious, is it related to COVID or not? And you learn over time little tricks, you know, over the phone of how to ask certain questions or how to get the parents engaged in assessing a child. So often the parent will have a thermometer in the house and so you can get them to take a temperature. There's always those sort of quotes around 80% of what we do is really good history taking and I think this really comes into teleconsultations. You will find that your history taking will become back like when you were a medical student. I think a lot of us have skipped some of that, you know, when when we get to see patients and we get to make assessments in, in person. But you'll go back to asking really specific questions, like are they able to, you know, chew okay? Do they get increased pain when they chew? What are they doing right now? And, you know, they'll say they're lying on the couch. What would they normally be doing right now? They'd be jumping up and down. Things like, you know, when we worry about abdominal pain, you know, I used to make them hop on one leg. As you get more experience with telehealth consultations over the phone, you start to learn those little tricks that you can ask parents. And sometimes it is, okay, you don't have access to a thermometer. It's just put your hand on the child, put your hand on your own skin. You know, do you notice a difference? And it's pull back the ear and you sometimes have to describe it to them. And can you see anything coming out of the ear? You know, if you touch the ear, is that painful for the child? So it's It's really walking through, if you have a parent there, if it's a child, what you might do in a physical examination, obviously not having the tools that you have, you get them to do things like respiratory rate. I'll say to the parent, I'm going to time you. I want you to watch how many times, you know, the child's chest rises and you can feel them breathing. And I'm going to tell you when to stop, teach them how to take a heart rate. So there are things that you will learn over time. And this is where Some people say, oh, you know, it's so easy, just hop on a phone. And there are other people who are very petrified of it. And I'm saying, you don't need to be scared of it, but it is a skill. It's a whole new skill. And I think a lot of people have already been developing this skill, particularly doctors who work in rural and remote areas or um, have done a lot of after hours work um, or on call work. They learn to sort of assess these things virtually. And I think it's, it's going to be a skill which... I'm really excited that we're all going to actually be trial by fire, but we're all going to have this skill by the end of this particular crisis and we'll be able to use it, you know, long into the future. But I think it's something that will be learnt over time and over experience. Yeah, it's the ability to do the rapid upskilling, isn't it, Um, which otherwise just takes a lot of time. I was um, listening to the digital health webinar this evening, of which you were one of the prime guests. I'll just sort of summarise what I thought took home that was really good, that the difference between the value of the phone call and the video conferencing is the ability to do the eyeballing. And we can do eyeballing really well. And when I say eyeballing is that you look at somebody and you you sort of look at everything about them, the way they're speaking, the way that they're responding and other sort of obvious issues. And you can have this sort of sense of whether they're well or not. And I think that's why I would be encouraging everybody at this time to actually be moving into the video as well as not just the telephone. Telephone's a great first stepping stone, but really the added value that you can get from that eyeballing and being able to do some of the key measures for assessment of somebody's health is is great if you can video. I absolutely agree with you, Charlotte. And I think we are living in a society where people are very comfortable using video. We're all happy getting on FaceTime and Skype and Zoom and 
we've got patients that are very comfortable with it. In a time when I was doing telehealth eight or nine years ago, we didn't have as much comfort around getting onto video platforms. But now that we have it and it's easily accessible and there's a lot of platforms that don't require downloading or plugins, you can get platforms that are WebRTC that you just click on a link, you're into the, the console and there's a few that are video that are specifically built for healthcare that so has waiting rooms and billing payment gateways, etc. I think if you've got access to that technology and you feel comfortable using it, you should turn it on because exactly like you said, that being able to just see a patient is so critical, so important.